So we're going to have a good time today, I suspect, because so many things are tripping up along the way. We are going to finish up last week's sermon, and if you weren't here from last week, not to worry. I'll do last week's sermon in 30 seconds and get you up to speed. We are, it's actually an interesting sermon for Father's Day. I don't plan these out six months in advance, but when you see where we're going with it, it's um, interesting. So pay attention. You have to communicate this to, to the ones who are away today. There's a story of a man, I believe his name was Charles Bowden, who crossed Niagara Falls with a wheelbarrow. And he said, as he went across a couple times, does anyone think that I'll be able to do this again? And of course, everyone said, yes, of course, yes, you'll be able to do it again. He said, all right, who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow? How many people do you think got in the wheelbarrow? Can I ask you a question? What is a Christian? Is a Christian some, simply someone who believes certain things about Jesus or who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow? In fact, we are going to look at one of the scariest texts in all of the Bible. And I hope this text unsettles you only to resettle you. You following with me? If this doesn't scare the boots off of you, you need to get boots. Listen, it says, verse 46 of Luke 6, why, Jesus speaking, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So here's the question. How do you know if you're building on the right foundation? Who here calls Jesus Lord? Just Jerry and Chuck and Dylan. I get it. It's awkward when I do something. I understand the hesitancy. But Jesus' point, and we'll look at Matthew 7 in a little bit, is in reality a substantial number of people who think they are saved, are not. Pastor, you're going legalistic. No, I'm not. Watch what goes on here. Jesus says last week, if you're saved, you'll follow Jesus as your teacher. Verse 39 down to 42. You recognize the log of depravity in your eye. You turn to him for salvation. He removes the log. Then he says, if you follow him, you'll become like him, 43 to 45. You say, where does it say that? Mia's not here, is she? <laughs> Jan, you're the closest we got. <laughs> Look at verse 40. Everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like who? Verse 40. What do you got, Renee? That means if you're saved, when you're fully sanctified, who will you be like? Your Who's your teacher? 
When we see him, 1 John, we will be like him. Romans 8, 28, you know that one? Paraphrase it. God uses all things for our good, amen? What's verse 29? What's his purpose? Hey now, to be like Jesus. So if you know him, you will obey him. If you obey him, you will be like him. If you are becoming like him, you're building on the right foundation. What does it look like to become like Jesus? Go all the way back to verse 20. If you are saved, you recognize your spiritual poverty. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You weep over sin. When people hate you, exclude you, revile you, and spurn you, you love them. You forgive them. You see what we're doing here? You, you will treat others as you want them to treat you, not in the manipulative way, but in the biblical way. You are becoming like Jesus. Do you see this? Well, how do you know? It, well, let me go back a step. How do you do this? You just try hard, right? Here's a list of rules. Keep the rules. As you do the rules, you become like Jesus, kind of like spiritual push-ups. Right? right? No. As God enables you by his grace and empowers you by his spirit for his glory, he causes you to obey him. Check this out. Don't miss this. Ezekiel 36. While you're flipping there, this is a whole sermon. Right here in one verse. Y'all with me? Hands up if you're awake. What's the gospel? I know you're not going to answer out loud. Let me tell you what the gospel is not. The gospel is not God forgives sinners. It's not the gospel. It leads into the gospel. The gospel is not you don't have to go to hell if you trust in Jesus. It's not the gospel. The gospel is not your sins have been removed. It's not the gospel. Those are means to enjoy this good news, but what is the gospel? God saves us by himself, from himself, and for himself. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Pause. Watch this. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God saves you to glorify him. You glorify him by obeying him. You obey him because he has caused you to be born anew. Your obedience is to God's glory by his power. But your obedience is evidence that you're saved. So what do you call someone who professes faith in Christ but doesn't obey Christ? Better yet, what does Jesus say to them? 
away from me, I never knew you. How you know if you're saved, folks? Mmm. 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 Good luck. I will see you all on the other side. Hopefully. How do you know if you're saved? Y'all uncomfortable? You should be. Jesus is making you uncomfortable. Go to Matthew 7. I may not even finish this sermon today. I may just let it sit for a week. End of 7. 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man, right? But go back to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will what? But the one who does what? On that day, many will say to me, hang on, buckle your seatbelt. Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we cast out demons? Did we do many mighty works? And then what does Jesus say to them? Time out. You can profess, you can do stuff, and you can still be lost. How y'all know if you're saved? Is, any, is anyone uncomfortable yet? I mean, do you understand what the Lord is saying? He's saying, check yourself. You could be involved in church. You can be exercising what you think are spiritual gifts. You could be sharing the gospel. You could be doing all sorts of stuff and not be saved. Who here is sure they're saved? You sure? How are you sure? Careful with answering that. How do you know if you're saved? Don't tell me what you did. Tell me who you look like. Do you look like Jesus? Do you love your enemies? Do you hate sin? Do you love God? Do you, look, look around. Do you love the people in this room as God calls you to as part of your church family? And if you say yes, you're a damn liar. But if you say, if you say no, but Lord Jesus, help me too, now you're tracking the right way. You see, if you're complacent with your current level of sin, you've got a current problem may have eternal consequences. But if you go all the way back and recognize who you were and who you are and why you are such, you might be tracking the right way. Amen? The problem here is this is, this is a, a lengthy letter that we need to unpack. But what Jesus is saying is, same thing Jude said, be doers and not just hearers deceiving yourself. He's saying Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are beautiful truth, but 2, 10 sits there too. You're created, you're saved to do the works God prepared beforehand for you. What are those works? How do you know if you're doing enough works? You can prophesy and go to hell. You can cast out demons and go to hell. That is what Matthew 7 said. So how do you know if you're saved? 
Come back next week. <laughs> Do you see yourself as the worst sinner in the room? Do you desire to love your enemies? Do you truly inconvenience yourself to love one another? When you don't, do you care? If you're tracking that way, praise be to God that he has made you anew. But if you're not tracking that way, praise be to God that he saves people and makes them new. Are you following with me? What's a Christian? So small, it's uncomfortable. Give me 5,000 people, I can get personal. What, what, is, what does a Christian look like? Is Jim right? You keep all the rules? What does a Christian look like? Well, that's what they are. But how do you recognize a, a Christian? What do they look like? They look like Jesus. What is the gospel? You are saved from your sin by God himself, so that you will be conformed to the image of his son. You know what a faux Christian looks like? They show up at church, they read their Bible, they speak in Christianese, and they sign up for Christian ministry. Saved people do that too, though. But the difference is a saved person loves people. A lost person is primarily concerned about themselves. The difference is a saved person still loves themselves, but they hate the fact they love themselves because they love Jesus a little tiny bit. You tracking with me here? How do you know if you're saved? Well, the world will do everything it can to make it as hard to tell as possible, even if you are truly saved. Compartmental obedience to Jesus. Jesus, I love you when it's convenient. I'll do what you say as it fits. Please do for me what I ask. Amen. Who else lives that way besides me? Just me? Honestly, folks, just me? But Lord, forgive me because, Lord, I don't want to grieve you. I remember who I was. I understand who you are. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cause me to glorify you by living a miraculous life of joyful obedience to you. Cause me to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Cause me to forgive my enemies. Cause me to see you as better than anything else. Lord Jesus, help me a sinner. Do you hear that? That's what Jesus is saying. The sign of life in Christ is seeing yourself accurately, loving your enemies, loving others, following the right teacher, bearing the right fruit, and building on the right foundation. Well, where do you start with obeying? What do you have to do? How do you know? Right. Everybody want to go back to the box? We'll see who's saved. You are saved 
into Christ as a part of his family. So those who are saved evidence their love for Christ first and foremost by submitting to the care of a fellowship of believers and caring for the fellowship of believers. You can't run ahead to the other stuff until you land on the foundation of the immediacy of what Christ calls you to, to be equipped, to be encouraged, to bear one another's burdens, to so fulfill the law of Christ. And as you do, your gifts are identified, your discipleship is made robust, your evangelistic opportunities are equipped, and the lost come to saving faith. But those who are saved start by understanding who they are in Christ through his word and loving their brothers and sisters in Christ through his word so that we might be equipped and encouraged to fulfill what God commands and calls us to. You say, but I don't want to start there. I want to start down here. Jesus says, stop it. You're following the wrong teacher. You're bearing the wrong fruit. You see what's going on here. You're building on the wrong foundation. My friends, do you remember who you were? Did, I mean, just, just think about who you are apart from Christ. Just, just let it go for a minute and let those seeds of sin germinate in your heart. You're, don't act, don't do this practically. Do you remember who Christ is? The love the Father has for you. In that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. How much does God love you? I mean, just chew on that for a minute. You would say, I love you, Jesus. Please, what a pathetic love we have for Jesus. But when Jesus says, I love you, what a magnificent love he has for us. I, I, I don't even want to be inconvenienced. Jesus died on the cross for me. Huh? Jesus says, look what I've done for you, now do this for me. Oh, Lord, please, I'm busy. It's Father's Day, Jesus, i got to do stuff. Shame on me. Give to me, Lord, uh, the Lord says, give to me, look what I've given to you. Oh, please, God, knock it off. Shame on me. Go and proclaim, now, do you remember who Jesus is? Do you remember who you are? Do you remember why he saved you? Do you understand the joy we have in walking with Christ. But too often we think we're Jesus. No, no, no. We're sinners saved by grace. I can go too many different ways here. So I, here, here, yeah, I'll do it this way. Here's, here's all I want you to take away from this today. How do you know you're saved? Is it verbal profession? Or is it practical obedience? Verbal profession does not mean you're saved. It's a part of it. Practical obedience identifies you as being saved. You're not saved by your obedience, understand that clearly, but you're saved through your obedience, meaning it is your obedience that shows the Lord has saved you. Do you guys see what I'm saying there? I want to make sure you're following it well. You're not saved by keeping the law, but if you are saved, you will desire to keep God's law, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, because God causes you to desire to keep his law. 
Christian people aren't lost people who are cleaned up and act nice. Christian people are dead people who are born anew with a new nature, empowered by a new spirit to love and serve and glorify God. It's a cosmic divide that cannot be crossed. If you are saved, you are a living, breathing miracle on two legs. Do you see that? If you love God, praise God, because you can't love God unless he first loves you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Why would you not do what Jesus says? I'm talking to the saved folks here for a minute. Give me, you're going to have to reciprocate, one reason you wouldn't obey Jesus. A good reason. Can anyone think of one? I want the glory. I said a good reason. You think you know better than him? You want the glory he deserves? You want, but, but what do you know better than him? Who leads us in paths of righteousness? Who cares for us perfectly? Who is a lamp and a light? Who was blind but now can see? And who is never blind but always see truly? See truly, pardon me. Can I ask you a question? If you are saved, where are you not obeying Jesus? I mean, practically right this moment. Where are you not obeying Jesus? In this past week, I'm going to give you a minute. Can you think of two areas where you didn't submit to Jesus for his glory? Don't call them out, because then I'd have to too. But honestly, I want you to think for a minute. Two areas where you put self in front of Christ. Got it? If you're in trouble, you probably got five areas you need to think about. Do you care is the question I want to ask on the back end. I don't, I don't want to see your answer. Do you care? Are you willing to confess that to Christ is a sin and walk in the power he's entrusted to you so that you're not stuck in that sin for his glory? Because see, it's costly. It's painful. You'll lose out on your will. Trust me. But do you trust Jesus is better, stronger, richer, wiser? That, that's what Jesus is putting in your eye. He's saying, hey, American church, y'all walked down the aisle, huh? Went to a crusade, came all the way up front, signed your name on a card, went to a church, went to a membership class. You, you put your envelopes in the box and you do stuff. Good for you. I never knew you. Jesus, what, did you have a bad day? Why does he say that? Because he's gracious and wants you to know you can turn to him and be saved. But salvation doesn't rest in your doing. It rests in his done. And by his done, he causes you to do some doing. He causes you to see who you are on your own, to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, to love the lost, to be able to forgive, to walk with him, to function in a church as a part of a church, not to be entertained by a church as you consume commodities. There's going to be a lot of places Jesus shows up and say, hmm, never mind, I'm going to stop. This is scary. 
scary stuff. But Jesus, I remember at, 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 a, at a mountaintop experience, I prayed to accept you. You can't say away. You're going to say, well, yeah, you sure did talk the talk, but there was no evidence of you walking the walk. So here's the question we cry out. Lord, how do I walk? Help me. I can't do it. He says, right. You got it. Get up. Well, how? Come on. And he picks you up and he puts you in the dang wheelbarrow and he carries you across the falls. Do you see that? Who thinks Jesus is Lord and Savior? Who thinks Jesus rose from the dead? Who thinks Jesus is God? Who thinks Jesus is all-powerful? Yay! But who's getting in the boat? The Christian person gets in the boat, and the Christian person is marked by this, I don't want to, but I want to, but I don't want to, but I want to help. Do you see that? And Jesus doesn't yell at you like a bad dad, shut up and get in the boat. He comes alongside you, puts his arm around you, and says, listen, son, the boat may look scary, but there's no safer place in the world than in the boat in the middle of the storm if Jesus is in the boat. We think crossing the falls in a wheelbarrow is dangerous. Uh Uh-uh. Standing on the cliff is dangerous because the cliff will give way, but he won't fall off the rope. Uh Uh-huh. Trust in the Lord with all your strength. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Now, I'm a little fired up today because we live in the midst of a world that that offers cheap, no-cost Christianity. Jesus on my terms. Easy come, easy go relationships. Stop it. Jesus is sticking his finger in your eye and in your heart. And he's saying, wake up. I love Jesus. I've seen a lot of Jesus fish on cars. And I think a lot of those cars may be saved without the drivers. (laughs) And that's the question we're asking is, do we live in in, in the paraphernalia of Christianity without a heart that's new in Christ? That's Jesus's point. I, I, I bought the sticker, I wore the shirt, I had the envelopes, I led the ministries, I cast out demons, I preached sermons, I did all sorts. Shh! Get away. But, but, but Lord, don't call me that. I never knew you. Here's my greatest desire. That no one in this room, no one who ever comes to this church would ever go to the Lord thinking they are saved and find out they were not. But at the same time, that no one who was truly saved would ever doubt their salvation. I have no doubt that when I meet the Lord, he will not say, away from me, I never knew you. And that's not pride and arrogance. That is the epitome of humility. Because, listen, you think I'm kidding. I guarantee I'm the worst person in this room. Your sin don't compete with my sin. Not even close. 
Not even close. And until you get to the point of seeing how wicked you are and how, how holy God is and how righteous he makes you by grace through faith, you are totally incapable of having this joy of assurance of salvation. You'll have no desire to follow Christ because you'll think you're still pretty wise. You will live your life being Jesus for other people as opposed to bringing Jesus to them. Mm. See what I mean there? Who, who are you trying to help being Jesus? Thinking if it's not for you, they're all going to fall apart. You ain't Jesus. He is. So, what is a Christian? You want a good definition of a Christian? Ezekiel 36, verse 22 to 27. You gotta write that down. Ezekiel 36, 22 to 27. A Christian is a person who was an enemy of God that was reconciled to God for his glory by himself, who was given a new heart and a new spirit so that by God's power they would desire to obey him. Do you see that? A Christian is a living miracle. It's a dead person made alive to live for the glory of God. How do you muster that up? Can't, but the Holy Spirit does through the gospel. So what do you do if you're not sure you're building on the right foundation? Good luck. <laughs> what do you do if you're not sure? Hear the warning and call out to God to save you. Submit to his rule and reign. Be conformed to his image as you bear the right fruit, and then you know you're building on the right foundation. What if you struggle, though? What if you want to obey God, but you struggle to obey God, and you question whether or not you're really loving God? Stop. If you're struggling, you're in a good spot. It's when you don't struggle to obey God that you should get scared. Do you see that? If you love Jesus, you will obey Jesus. How? He will cause you to obey Jesus. He will cause you to through the battle of trusting him. So here's what I want you to think about now. Where are you battling to trust God? Where in your life are you battling to trust that God's word is true? Can you think about that? Think about this past week. We got a couple of areas you should have where you didn't even battle. You didn't even care. You just did what you wanted to do. I want, I want, I want. Me, me, me. I think, I think, I think. I need, I need, I need. My schedule, my schedule, my schedule. Hmm? If you can't get two, you've got 20. Okay? You got two this morning. At least I do. But again, I'm the worst sinner here. But where in your life are you battling to trust Jesus? But Jesus, if I obey you, it could go really, really bad. Yeah, it could, if he's not who he says he is, and you're not who he says you are in him. Jesus, I'm scared. Jesus, I'm lonely. Jesus, I'm filling the blank. Stop. Where are those areas? You got them? Are you battling? Do you want to? 
I'm going to let it sit there today. The sign of a Christian is a person who looks like Jesus. A person looks like Jesus when they're made new in Christ and they battle to be conformed to the image of Christ. Where are you not submitting to God's word on the most basic level of seeing yourself for who you are? Seeing people who they are in Christ or apart from Christ and treating them as God calls you to. You know, do you say you love Jesus but don't really love one another? John would say you don't love Jesus. But do you not love one another and care and want to and cry out to God to? That's different. Where, where are you not trusting in Jesus' goodness and kindness and provision? Where are you not looking like Jesus but looking like a lost person? See, here's the beauty of Jesus' invitation. Not only come to me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there's no other. It's he came so that our cup may overflow. Amen? He came to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He causes us to lie down in green pastures and prepares a table for us before our enemies. Now, this sermon is going to be unpacked in Sunday school, as you'll see. I don't even know if Dylan knows this yet, but it's how it fits. Dylan's going, I thought we were doing this. We are, we are, but watch. You'll see the tie-in. A Christian is a person who performs signs and wonders every day of their life for the glory of God, but just not the signs and wonders that false teachers make you think they're going to perform. The signs and wonders of submitting to the will of the Lord. The signs and wonders of walking in fellowship with one another at a, at a cost, at inconvenience, at a sacrificial level. The cost of forgiving people, the cost of, of joyfully pointing people to Christ, the cost of recognizing who they are on their own and who Christ is and stewarding all they have for his glory according to his word. These are the signs and the wonders, Ezekiel says, the Lord will put on display. He will cause lost people to be live people, people who were enemies to become friends as they joyfully desire to obey him. And joy does not mean Yes, I get to be stoned to death. No. Joy means, yes, I know whose I am. So even if I were to be stoned today, not this type, that type, okay? Even if I were to be stoned today, I know God who rules and reigns has caused it or allowed it for his glory and my good. I am willing to lay down my life for the glory of God. And I could only say that if God empowered me to be able to do that. So I would say, someone says to me, would you be willing to die for Christ? I ask you guys that. Don't answer it out loud. Would you be willing to die for Christ? Let me diagnose your heart real quick. If you said yes, I'm concerned. But if you said, oh, heck no. But I know that Christ would enable me to if the time came because I am his. Do you see that? A saved person is not a strong person. A saved person is a weak person who knows Christ is a strong savior. A saved person is not a strong person. A saved person is a weak person who knows Christ is a strong savior. 
So what drives your life? Is it your work schedule? Is it your rest schedule? Is it your financial schedule? Is it your recreational schedule? Is it your holiday schedule? Is it the seasonal schedule? Or is it Christ? Well, those who are saved say, well, it's both. But I don't want it to be both. I want to build on the rock because only what's built on the rock survives the judgment. Methodology without theology leads to destruction. You say, what does that mean? It means you can build something that looks like a church. You can build a life that looks pretty Christian, but apart from proper theology, it's all going to fall apart. Foundation work takes time. Foundation work ain't pretty. Foundation work is costly. But when you build with the right foundation, you can say, along with some smart dude, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rain came tumbling down, but the house didn't go nowhere. Why does Jesus mess with us like this? Why, why can't Jesus just be like, hello, I love you, I died for you, come to me and be saved. It would freak me out if he was like that. Jesus says, I'm God. You're not. Bow the knee, and I will not destroy you. Plus, I will make you a friend. You will rule and reign with me. You will be a son of the Most High. You will be cared for perfectly. You'll be conformed to my image. I will tie my joy to your joy. I will magnify myself and glorify my name. Through what I will make you, I will have my eye constantly upon you. Fear not, because now, by grace through faith, I am with you and for you. Do you see that? Who is this God guy? He is a good, good father. He's not the distortion you grew up with. He's holy and just, but yet merciful and gracious. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-wise. Yet a God who forgives and makes people anew. Do you know this God? Do you know who Christ is? Do you know why he saved you? You cannot fix people. You can't even fix yourself. But that's why Jesus came to take the log out of your own eye so you could see him and cling to him and follow him. And if you are saved, the first sign of salvation is you will see him for who he is, yourself for who you are, and you will begin to follow him. And as you begin to follow him, you will become like him. And as you become like him, you will have the joy of knowing you're building on the right foundation. It is not that your obedience saves you. It is your obedience which marks you as saved because saved people obey Jesus because Jesus for his glory causes them to. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Do you know that joy? The reality is you're probably living in a very normal space of you've compartmentalized Jesus. Can we just be totally transparent? If you're saved, the reality is you're probably living in this space where you've compartmentalized Jesus. You got work you, you've got home you, 
you got recreational you, and then you got saved you. Amen? Do you know what Jesus calls you to? Blow down the barriers. Let Jesus run your vocational life. Let Jesus run your recreational life. Let Jesus run your, your relational life. Let Jesus run your whole life because you remember you were blind and you're messing them up. You're manipulating people. You're abusing resources. You're letting good things become God things and it's called spiritual adultery. And saved people go, oh my word, God, I'm sleeping with idols. But you know who God is. He's a God who forgives his children as they sin. He disciplines his children. Don't get unnecessarily disciplined. But you can't, if you love your wife, you can't be sleeping with another lady on the side and say you love your wife, amen? But if you're totally insane and blind and you realize, oh, oh my God, what did I do? You go to your wife, she'll probably shoot you. But if you go to God, he won't shoot you, he'll restore you. See what I'm saying here? We all live in this compartmentalized land of Jesus and. Uh-uh. Why? Why would you? What, what, what do you think you know better than Jesus? So you back this all the way up to about seven weeks ago when we started looking at the Sermon on the Mount in Luke. Honestly, it's probably been five, six weeks. Jesus did this whole thing in like three hours and I'm still dragging on. That's what he's saying here, starting in Luke 6, verse 20. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Remember we talked about that? Who remembers what blessed means? I love... Y'all hear that? Blessed means approved by God. When you're poor, you're approved by God. It's a marker. When you hunger for righteousness, you're approved by God. It's a marker. When you weep over sin, you're approved by God. It's a marker. When people hate you, exclude you, revile you, and spurn you, and shame your name, Jesus' name is evil, you're approved by God. It's a marker. Amen? Keep going down. He keeps going here. I say to you, love your enemies. Do good. Bless them. Pray for them. It's a marker. That's all it is. It's a marker. He keeps going about judging others, being sincerious. He talks about following his teaching, bearing the right fruit. They're all markers. And when you see the markers rejoice, you're building your house upon the rock. But when you don't see the markers, Jesus is saying, poke, poke, poke. Why do you call me Lord but not see the markers of my work in your life? Poke, poke, poke. Turn to me and be saved. But for those who have the markers in their life, there's a poke that comes, poke, poke. I know you see the markers. And I know you praise me for the markers. But please, for my glory and your name's sake, for, let me rephrase that. For my glory and name's sake, says the Lord, and your good, don't be complacent with your current level of sin, but fight, fleece in it. It's crouching at your door and its desires to consume you. Poke, poke, poke as the Holy Spirit identifies sin so that we conform more fully to the image of Christ and have the greater joy that he intends for us of intimacy with him. It's a whole lot I threw out on the table there, amen? amen? But here's only two things I want you to take away. What is a Christian and what is the gospel? A Christian is not someone who simply verbally professes to trust in Christ. It's not. That's just a heretical theological concept. 
Do you you remember the day that you trusted in Christ? You want to know a little secret, theological secret? Some of you have a day that you can remember when you trusted in Christ. Some of you can't. Even if you know the time you think you trusted in Christ, God caused you to be born anew before that so you could trust in him. You know how you know if someone's alive? How do you know Dylan's alive? I mean, honestly, it's a real question. How do you know? Look at him. How do you know he's alive? He's breathing. He's sitting up. We assume his heart's beating. But he's sitting up. He's making facial expression. He's showing signs of life. Here's what Jesus says. If you are truly saved, you will show signs of life. You tracking with me there? That's all he's saying. So he says, turn to him and be saved. What is a Christian? What is the gospel? Here's your takeaway. Follow Christ as your teacher. Be like Christ. Rejoice your foundational hold. See, that's, that's the whole flow of this section. And the only way to do it is if God is gracious and merciful to cause you to do it. You say, well, what role do I have to play? Fight. Fight. Flee sin. Fight for God's namesake, and you're walking in his will. Cry out to God to convict you of sin, to lead you in his will for his glory, and praise him that if you so desire, it's only because he's caused you to be born anew. This is not a functionally preachable sermon in our cultural context, because this is one of those things people wish Jesus didn't say. How dare Jesus walk into a church and say, good morning, church, I want to let you know a whole bunch of you think you know me, but you don't. What kind of intolerant, narrow-minded thing to say is that? Lord, forgive me, I'm being, being a little silly here, but it's a loving thing to say. Turn to him, trust in him, walk with him. He alone is God. And we're going to close here in a minute, and I know that y'all get busy, as we, as we go on with our days and weeks. But would you do me a favor this week? Would you spend some time and think about where you are simply not trusting God in the basics of what he calls us to in living as his people? Right? Would, would you do that for me? And I'm talking about the most base level of studying his word, reading his word, memorizing, storing it up, meditating on it, the basics of feeding on scripture and walking in fellowship with one another. Because if you miss either of those, then you're building, but you're building on the wrong foundation. Do do you know that? Do you know everything? I'm going to say this and then I'm going to revisit it all week and find a couple holes here. But it's hard for me to think of anything Christ calls me to or us to that we're equipped to do on our own. You hear that? What does he call us to that we're equipped to do on our own? The foot says, I don't want to be a part of the body, I'm good. What does the foot get? Dead. The eye says, I don't want to be a part of the body. What does the eye get? Dead. We're a body in Christ for his glory. Where? Listen. If I was Jesus, we would all function independently as lions, not as a flock of sheep, all right? But I ain't Jesus. I'm just a dumb, gassy sheep. And I need y'all to help me when I'm bloated past gas, spiritually, not like that. 
I need you to bear my burdens. I need to have you help me and, and reciprocate with stewarding of spiritual gifts. I need you to equip me for the works God calls me to. And we need one another for that. So where in your life are you not doing these things? Then ask yourself, do I care? And am I willing to cry out to God to help me? And there you begin to see the marks of saving faith as God's glory is made manifest in an obedience that cannot be mustered up by the flesh. Y'all tracking with me? Mm -hmm. <sighs> I'm worn out now. I don't like this sermon. I don't like it at all. I want to tell you, of course Jesus loves you. Of course you're saved. Don't worry about it. You're good. You know why? Because I want you to like me. But I prefer that you love Jesus. I hope you like me too, please. Please like me. <laughs> But please hate, hate me more if it causes you to love Jesus. You see that? That's what Jesus is inviting us to. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And, and next week when we gather again, Lord willing, oh my goodness, what a marvelous text we get to unpack as we see our Lord. I love this. Oh man. I was going to say this is my favorite section of scripture, but I think I say that each week. We've just worked our way through Luke's recording of the Sermon on the Mount. Don't be overwhelmed thinking, I don't know if I'm good enough to be saved. Or I don't know if I do enough to identify that I'm saved. You've missed the whole point. You're not good enough to be saved. Of course you don't do enough to be saved by your works. But those who are saved are saved by God's grace alone, through God's power alone, and manifest the works of God in their life because he has caused them, Ezekiel 20, 36, 26, and 27, to be born anew and desire to walk in obedience to him. Now let me caveat this with, as you think this through, please ask questions. I think you all understand this, but, but when you hear something that may be unsettling or confusing or you might disagree with, don't ever just box it up and put it away. Chew on it, stew on it, talk about it, and bring it out for conversation. Because what you're hearing today is very, very different than the American gospel. Come forward, all who would like to trust in Christ, come forward and you're saved. You know what's wrong with that? That's a call from the guy going over Niagara Falls. Who thinks I can make it? Come and watch. Who thinks I'll make it across? Come and watch. Well, you got to hear that he's going across, right? But then Jesus says, who's going to hop in? And you know the answer to that? And I'm actually closing here. When Jesus says hop in, who's going to hop in? Not me. But you know why I got in? Because he came over and he chose me and he put me in the bucket. Amen? And I'm going to go across by his power for his glory. Father, Thank you that you are a God who saves. Lord, whatever was from me today, have it be quickly forgotten. But whatever was from you planted deeply in our hearts. For those who are saved here, Lord, give them the joy of knowing that, that they are building on the right foundation in your power for your glory. And cause them to labor more fruitfully, knowing their labor in you will never be in vain. And Lord, if there are any here today who are not building on the right foundation, Holy Spirit, Please convict them of that. Please let them know of your incredible love for them. Please let them know that you are better, stronger, wiser, kinder, more gracious, and more holy than they could ever fathom. 
and that there is a judgment coming. But those who build upon Christ will not be shaken by that judgment. For the judgment was taken care of by you, Lord Jesus, yourself upon the cross. But Lord, for those who don't know you, they may build incredibly massive and seemingly beautiful edifices. But without a foundation that is for naught, it will all be destroyed. Lord, let us be honest with you. In the flesh, we don't want to obey you. We'll use you for our own benefit in the flesh. But Lord, by grace through faith, we are not captive to the flesh. Oh, we still feel the effects of the flesh, as Paul reminded us all through Romans, but we are not captive to the flesh. Lord, remind us of how strong we are in you, how we can do all things through you who saved us. Help us to live Romans 12, 1 and 2 lives. Lord, we got 11 full chapters of what the gospel is and who we are in Christ and how we became such in Romans. And then you call us to live as what we are. Lord Jesus, it is the same sermon you preach on the mount. You remind us of who we were and who we are and whose we are and what you have saved us to. So Lord, on this Father's Day, we thank you for dads. Some of us had wonderful dads. Some of us had pretty bad dads. Some of us had no dads around. But Lord, the reality is in the kingdom of God, there are no fatherless children. We all have a perfect father. And Lord, in the kingdom of God, there are no singles. We're all married to Christ. And in the kingdom of God, there are no only children. We are part of a body of believers, children of the Most High God. Remind us, Lord Jesus, of who we were, who we are, how we became such, and who you are. Because, Lord, every day in Christ is a day that we can be happy because we have a perfect heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.